My name is Eva Goykochea. I'm the founder of Mod, which is a modern sexual wellness company. And I love that beauty has been reimagined to include everything under wellness and health because beauty is health. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Hi, I'm David Prada. This is my first time guest hosting Beauty is Your Business, but not my first time on a podcast. I have my own show, Living in a Material World, where I speak to industry leaders. But today's guest on Beauty is Your Business is Eva, the founder of Maud, a sexual wellness brand. I'm so excited because we've known each other for many years and we have so many mutual friends and I love seeing your face in all the industry events and in life. But welcome to this episode. Thank you. I want to start by asking, you know, everyone starts with a journey and I love like where you came from before you even started your own brand. So can you tell the listeners like how you first started and what industries you were in and how you got to becoming an entrepreneur in the sexual wellness world? Okay, so very circuitous. It was not a straight line. I studied marketing in New York, and then this is the early 2000s, and then ended up going back to California where I grew up half my life, fell into being a legislative aide in healthcare, which comes back into play in a second, and then moved to LA where I met you. But I started working in marketing again, and I ended up at Josie Marin Cosmetics. So I was really early there, realized how much clean beauty was Obviously, as you and I've said, clean beauty has been around for a long time, but it was this sort of next wave and then ended up working at other brands and really thought I want to converge healthcare and wellness and beauty through sexual wellness because I believe that it needs to be elevated the way that beauty and skincare has so that we can change culture. So I started working on Mod in 2016 and I moved here to New York and here we are in 2023. I love it because, you know, again, you created a new innovative approach to sexual wellness, which was so needed. So when was that aha moment when you were just thinking, this needs to be done? When did that happen? So it was really a conversation I was having with some friends who we had worked on a small company together. And we were just having this conversation around sex. And we're like, why has design not really been brought into this category in a much bigger way. Obviously, there are many companies that have paved the way before us, so I don't want to not give them credit. But I think it was like, why hasn't this been reimagined and put in the places you'd find wellness and beauty? So it really did start with a question. And the funny thing, and whenever I say this, people are like, you're right. And why can every other category borrow from sex? But sex has never really been that sexy. (laughs) No, it's never been sexy. People that are in fashion and in art and in design, it's like you don't want to have any of those things out and about because it's like you're just like you have to hide it in a drawer. Yeah, but meanwhile, you're producing these huge scent campaigns that are beautiful and sexy or car campaign, you know, and it's like, but sex just has been this thing you find on the drugstore aisle. I do have to say you came out with the shine lubricant and that was my first aloe based lubricant I've ever used. And it's my favorite. Thank you. You're welcome. I, oddly enough, I'm a fan of our silicone lubricant because <laughs> it's just longer lasting, but yeah. I'm going to have to give that one a try. <laughs> Tell us, when you first started coming up with Mod, what was the first few SKUs that you started like working on? So we launched with this idea that if you did not put 
products together, you were going to be seen as like a hero product brand. In this category, it's very fractured. So you find sex toys in some places and lube in others and condoms, et cetera. So we were like, why don't we bring together the basics? So we launched with the Vibe, two lubricants, the ones we just mentioned, and condoms, and then a little quickie kit. And it was like, these are beautiful basics meant for everyone. And that actually really did foundationally set the tone for how people perceive mod. And our audience has always been split in terms of gender, at least according to Google Analytics. And so we have been a for-all company from the beginning. And I really do chalk that up to the assortment. No, I love that. I think it's just so great that you've designed and created a brand that's great for everyone, for all ages, is gender inclusive. Like I know guys and gals and friends that like always give it as gifts. I actually ended up getting, I think I, someone got me, it wasn't the vibe, but I got another one in a great little bag as a gift for a holiday. I just love that people like, you know, cause you've made it a category that's giftable. I also love searching it on your site for your bundles cause you make it easy. So for the listeners, when you were creating this brand, what were like the obstacles you came across like early on? I think the first thing was I moved to New York and I raised venture capital. I don't think that venture capital is for everybody. I don't think it's for every business. But in this case, really high minimum order quantities, a very big category, needs a lot of firepower. And so I raised money. That was incredibly hard. I was in rooms where people thought, this is great. You're absolutely right. The category needs change. But how are you going to do this? This is like a David and Goliath story, right? So that was the first thing was just raising capital. I think the second thing, which we didn't even know at the time, was how difficult it would be to market where we were going to get Facebook wasn't going to let us say certain terms and we weren't going to be able to work with certain banks. And it was like all of these restrictions because there's a lot of vice clauses. And so there's been hurdles every single step of this damn journey. It's like always it's nonstop either as an entrepreneur and as a business or you're still having them even you've had so much success after launching. So when did that moment where you went from the first initial like raising and figuring out how to market the brand, but like when did you have that aha moment where you knew that the brand had legs and it started to grow? It actually was before we launched. So like a year before launch, we put up a survey, no visuals. Just tell us how you feel about this category. And we got back 650 answers in like a week and a half. And it was ages 18 through 80 something. And everyone said the same thing. They're like, I don't like the brands in the space. I don't identify with them. I see these as commodities. Like it's quite explicit or it's ugly or it's not inclusive. And I was like, wait a second. They're writing the script for us. This is exactly what we thought this company should be. And they're saying that back to us. So then when we launched, we already had a couple of press hits before with like renderings. And then when we launched, it felt like there was already momentum. It didn't feel like it was just a quiet launch. It felt like something happened. And what we had told all these people that took the surveys that we would send them products. So then they started to get their product and they were like, oh my God, it's a real thing. <laughs> so I'm curious to know when they started receiving the products that you sent them, what were the like the top reviews you were getting from them? Well, they all got quickie kits. So it was more like, this is super cute. I can take this with me traveling. Like this feels modern and easy to use. Not everybody uses condoms and not everybody uses lubricant. But I think that they felt like they were a part of something new. They were a part of a, maybe the next chapter in this category. And there was just so much support. So, And then our launch press was in vogue. So it was like, oh, hey, this is real. And this is our stamp of approval. So it just, it was such a funny, crazy, exciting time. 
How amazing. Because you started, it was in 2018, correct? Yeah, we launched in 2018. Now here we are in 2023. So how incredible. What was the next category after we launched Vibe and the lubricants and the condoms? What was the next few SKUs that you added to the assortment? So then we started going into what we say is like mood setting and body. So we launched the burn massage candle at the end of 2018. I think that that was actually this marquee moment of saying, Maud thinks of sex as intimacy. And we actually went from a tagline of sex made simple to a tagline of modern intimacy, which makes more sense now. Yeah. And then we went into body products the next year and travel size everything. And, you know, eventually we went into more devices. And then, you know, recently, last year, we went into supplements, we have one hero supplement. And so we really focus on four key areas, which is scent, sex, grooming and body and supplements. And so it's this holistic approach to intimacy. And what are those supplements that are the top sellers? I'm just curious. There's a male and female libido. And we did it based off of really like your hormonal profile. But we realized that there's actually an opportunity maybe to reformulate it so that it's something that everybody can take. So we're in the process of thinking through that because we have always been gender inclusive. And we do want to really stick to that DNA. And it's mostly because we think sex is for people. Your gender and your sexuality are not always the same thing, right? They're connected, but you might present one way and you might like other things. It just, you'd never know. So this idea was like really create something that everyone can use. And this has been one of them where we've been rethinking maybe the approach a little bit. I love that. And I love that you created these massage candles that you can pour on your partner and have a, an intimate evening or afternoon. I just, I, I was talking about it yesterday in my office. I was like, I need to order some of those. <laughs> We'll send you some. David, just ping me. And everyone in the office started laughing. They're like, we don't want to know that about you. (laughs) I know. There's a lot of TMI around this office, too. I, You know, I think what you've created is something where people can feel more comfortable about speaking about this category and speaking about their sexual wellness. Because I love that it's fallen into the beauty, lifestyle, wellness world. Because it is wellness. And you have to really take care of all levels of your life that way. And so when you launched, who were your top retail partners? Who was your strategic business partners that you kind of launched with? So the funny thing was, and this is not where I necessarily saw us at first. It's just, we had a lot of hurdles. I mean, it wasn't even hurdles. It was more like we had to evolve a bit, but we originally were in Revolve and Urban. And the idea for them was like, oh, this, you know, young people really understand sex. And so we're going to launch with you. And Mod isn't a Gen Z focused brand at all, but they were willing to take the risk on the category first. And then we started getting into department stores. And and then this year we launched as the first ever sexual wellness brand at Sephora US. Congratulations. I'm so excited for you guys. That's incredible. It's been incredible. And I, I still think there needs to be so much more growth in the category for it to actually really have a statement in the store. But I do think that we'll We'll get there. I mean, for all the reasons that I just said, in terms of getting this kind of company off the ground, it is hard. So people are trying to build new brands in this space, but it's just a really tough journey. It is. And not many people are cut out for it. You certainly are. I mean, I feel like being 40, I'm like, I don't care what what people think. I just have to go forward. Yeah, exactly. You have to. You have to power through. And it's like, this is also a question I always ask. So for advice for younger entrepreneurs that are starting out, like how did you get through all those obstacles? What did you do for yourself to get through it all? How did you take care of Eva? Tell me. 
<laughs> well, I think the first thing that I did was every day I asked myself, do I really believe in this? Like, do I believe that the world needs this? I think obviously, and I don't want to go off track here, but we've seen a lot of venture back businesses fail. We've seen a lot of that perspective around growth at all costs. It's not working anymore. People are having to build real businesses. But what that does is that forces the entrepreneur to think like, am I in this for the right reasons? Because the chances of you exiting, it's like winning the lottery, honestly. It's better to build something you want to work on every single day of your life, no matter how it goes, whether you're a team of two or a team of 200. So that's how I got through it was saying like, do you believe in mod? Do you want to work here? If this was a tiny business forever, would you want to work here? Absolutely. That's how I kept my head on straight. Obviously, then there's like trying to sleep and, you know, trying to take care of myself. But I think those are all really affected by your mental strength. And your mental strength has to come from answering that question, because otherwise, you're just gonna, you're not going to survive this journey. You'll implode. I've been an entrepreneur for the last 14 years of my life. And so and I've always worked for startup lifestyle and wellness and beauty brands my entire career, which is over 25 years now. I'm so old. <laughs> you look amazing. She's like, oh my God, how's this happening? You know, it's interesting because I love meeting entrepreneurs and founders like yourself because you are kind of, you do inspire myself as an owner of a company. Every time I come across you and I speak to you, just even if it's for a few minutes, I leave being so full of gratitude, like knowing you because you have built such a beautiful brand. And I love that you've done it with such class and execution. And it's so well designed because, you know, I love design and how things look beautiful. And so when you launched Maud, I was like, God, this is so Thank chic. you. <laughs> and, you know, it's like the boxes, the secondary packaging, the just like the branding. So tell me how you went through that process too. How did you make it look so damn beautiful? <laughs> well, it was, so it's funny because the original thought, and I've said this before, and it's like funny to think back on, but it'll be kind of colorful because that will be inclusive. And then you realize, wait a second, you can't make all this packaging and have like every color. It's expensive. And then I started to think, what are really universal colors and what are rich colors and things that set the mood and make you feel like you are sort of setting the tone. And that's how we ended up with this palette. And then I started to build around it. And it is a brand that I am our creative director and we have a great art director slash graphic design team. And we stick to a brand book. We had a brand book from day one and we've just really stuck to it and said, this is who we are. I think in this day and age, if you don't know that, it's detrimental to the business. And we just stuck to it and said, like, this is who Mod is. And we want you to be able to walk into a hotel and go, oh, this hotel is kind of Mod or, oh, this restaurant feels like Mod. And that's when brands really become something. So it was it was doing that. It was like saying, who are we? Put it to paper and then really, really stick to it. I love that. Out of curiosity, did you hire a design team to do this or was it yourself and someone else? So someone designed our logo and our symbols, but I built the brand book. I pulled all of the swipe to say, this is what we look like. And then we have, you know, now we have graphic designers and I worked with one from the beginning, but they stuck to the guidelines that I set out to create for mod. So it has been from us. And I actually really chalk up our consistency to owning the brand internally. Yes, it's great sometimes to work with external agencies, but if you don't have someone on the team who can really guide it, it can go off the rails. Yeah. It really does start with like the soul and the DNA of the person behind it, like yourself. It does. When I look at the packaging, it does feel like you because I always say a brand needs to look and feel like the founder because it can't have that disconnect. For me, when I'm looking at brands, that's like that's when I can see the beginning of success when it does feel like the person's DNA, but in a product. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at this with brands that have had really successful growth, like Byredo is Ben. Yeah, totally. It's so him. When you look at him, it's like the brand is so him. It's so true. I early on worked with uh, Rodan, which is Linda Rodan's brand, Rodan Aleluso, and I still really good friends with her. And when I saw her products, it always reminded me of her. It was so chic and clean and if it could only talk because she has a truck driver's mouth, like, <laughs> you never think that, but like, you're like, wow, I love all the swearing. It like makes me smile. She feels me with joy as well. I also wanted to find out like, so after doing your initial raise, did you have to go back out there for another series? Like, cause people want to know if, as they're building their brand, you raise the first round to start the brand. Did you have to go back out there? And how is that process? Yeah, I'm on my fifth round. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. It's a lot. I mean, the interesting thing was it was a very different time five years ago. Five years ago, you were built for high, fast growth with no profitability. That was not a word that anyone used. When you take venture capital, there's an expectation that you're going to run. And they don't really care if you run into the wall. Like They just want you to run because that's what it takes we always say this, but it's true. Like they know that nine of their 10 horses are going to fall out of the race. It's not great. It's not really set up to be, it's not the type of funding you want if you think that like, this is something you want to hold on to forever, truly. Or, you know, if you have other options, someone can write a check for you. That's not a venture capitalist. Like, great. I did not have that option. So I don't have that option either. So I'm there with you. Yeah. It's like, I needed investors. My grandma wasn't trying to like send me money for condoms. Like that wasn't going to happen. So <laughs> Raising is interesting. It's like you are doing a deal. I don't want to say a devil because we have really amazing investors, but you're certainly like you are giving something up. So if anyone is interested in raising, first of all, there's a lot of things before you ever decide to raise that you have to think about. Is it a big enough market? Have there been exits in your category? It was interesting. I just read a report on investment in CPG and consumer and 55% of the respondents who are all investors said the thing that they invest in is the founding team. And we could have a whole nother conversation around like, if it's equal, if everyone gets a fair shot, because certainly they don't. But I think the odds are against you. So you have to be really, really ready to make a case for why you want funding and why it makes sense. It's good to know. It's good for the listeners to know too, because it doesn't just take the first round of investment to keep a business like this going, because it's like you need to keep growing and to scale, it costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of money, especially with physical product. And you can't get to that next place. Like it's essentially like a relay. You're like running to then get to the next place to then hit the next milestone and then raise again. That's how it's built. Now, luckily, things are changing a bit and we have investors who are like, we're in this for the long haul. You have a great VC. I know they only do it with the best brands. And so they know that you have a special brand and a great idea and a great concept. Your space is not as crowded because you have the hottest brand in the category. Which is a good thing and a bad thing. <laughs> it is because it's a lot of pressure too. But like, <laughs> I, it's a lot of pressure. And then when you talk about just the business of beauty, and you know this better than anyone I know, curation and merchandising is so important to a brand success. And when you're the only brand or you're one of few, it's like, are we telling the right story on the shelf? Does this get lost in translation? Yeah, absolutely. I actually, when I look at your categories, I think you've built them so strong. I'm just like, out of my curiosity, I always love knowing as a business owner, out of all the categories that you've created for your brand, is sex the biggest one or is it body or is it your travel? Like what category makes up a lot of your business? 
sex makes up about 75% of the business. But the issue with that is like, yeah, it's great. But you're also where you are in retail becomes limited. Who's going to sit next to you becomes limited because there's not many brands, especially, you know, what we say. And you again, you know, this language, we're a prestige sexual wellness brand. There are many mass, there are many drug brands. There's a couple of luxury brands, but there's really very few prestige. So I am like, okay, what do I need to do here? Do I need to go build a couple more brands? Like, how do I move this along? <laughs> I love the idea of your body and also now with all your supplements, because it becomes even more of a lifestyle. And I think that you chose such a great name for your brand because it's mod and it is a modern lifestyle for a modern concept. I could keep going for days and I'm sure Chilito, who's like my original like madman in the office, he should have been an advertising guru, like in his own like space. Well, when you're in his house, it feels like, you know, you're in a different time and an element. So like, you know, you created such a great name. And so you can go off into the body and into the supplements. And I love that your supplements, they're like gummies, right? They're like chewable. They're gummies. Yeah. And the idea is like you take it every day and it becomes, we don't even want to say like routine. We would say ritual. It should feel fun and elevated and sexy, but it's also like you want to take it daily. We sort of subversively, but we are kind of against this approach of saying here's a little blue pill go fix your sex life like that's not really how it works so no because it's kind of disturbs it right it's just like when you do take a little blue pill it's like then you need to take it forever like. <laughs> yes. and i don't know how sexy it is to be like okay here we go no well my whole thing is like you have to be like okay so you have to give me like 30 minutes <laughs> <laughs> in my world like if yeah. someone takes that out you're like oh okay i may want to go to bed <laughs> yes it's really there's like i know Sex is like exercise. You have to do it to want to do it. But in order to want to do it, you need to feel in the mood. And in order to feel in the mood, so many other things have to come together. No pun intended. But the idea is like you have to have great scent and good lighting. And like you want to feel not stressed. That's the biggest thing. And unfortunately, like people get into their heads too much these days. And so that can affect a lot of their whole lifestyle, their whole, you know, that type of moment and intimacy because our day-to-day is so crazy. So I love that you have like candles and other like fun elements to spruce that up and make you get into the mood. Get into the mood of God. Scent really does affect everything. We make jokes like the number one sense connected to memory. And so it's like if you smell that cologne from that one guy 20 million years ago, you're like, Ugh. so we all know it's connected to memory, good or bad. God, that's good to know. I've got to remember which scent to put on that when I go out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, CK1, oh Jesus, I'm back in the 90s, like in high school. I wore that for a second. (laughs) It was a time warp. So I love that you brought up all kind of the challenges and kind of like obstacles you've gone through. But I know that your brand has been out now for many years. And so what keeps you like motivated to keep doing this every day? What inspires you? I think it's the potential for this to be, you know, I sort of liken it to being skincare. Like I think one day, obviously we've had skincare for decades, but I think really what we've seen in skincare in the past 10 years has been so interesting. And now we take it as seriously as we do color or hair care. Like there's been an evolution in all of these beauty categories that I think has really set the tone for how this should be perceived. So I'm very excited for the day that we all go, oh yeah, it's like part of everything that I do. Because I think there's so much shame and guilt associated with sex that we can, we don't always feel like we can just be ourselves. Yet the power of beauty and wellness is that it's supposed to make you feel more like you. 
So shouldn't sexual wellness make you feel more like you, not less like you? So important. I want to go back to like, you were talking about your past career, your career in, as a legislative aide. How did that help you when you were developing this brand? So it's interesting because I really recognize that there's a really big gap between how we're empowered in this country to make decisions around our health and access. And I mean, it's like you have to have a, a giant book to know how to navigate the healthcare system in this country. It's like very convoluted and difficult. So it's just this reminder that these parts of our health, there's often something making it harder to understand. And I think with sex, because there's culturally stigma and shame and we all know what's happening all over the country on the legislative side. I realize, like, how can I make a company that essentially allows for people to start to take more ownership of their sexual health and wellness? So that's what it did for me. It made me recognize, like, we're in a place that health and wellness are always, they're just inaccessible in certain ways. And it's important to make it more accessible. That's incredible. I have to say, you make me feel so proud for being a Latin American <laughs> in this country. Good. You should be. <laughs> I love having a powerful Latina <laughs> developing brand up there and changing the narrative in such a, an important space. I have to be quite honest, this is probably my favorite podcast I've recorded, but I wanted to thank you so much for your time. And one last thing before we wrap this up, what is your words of advice to anyone starting their own business? I mean, I'll say it again, which is like, really ask yourself, is this what you want to be doing every single day, whether it's sunny or raining, figuratively and literally, because that's the only thing that's going to get you to the next place. And I think people often like they romanticize the journey and honey, it is not always pretty. <laughs> so, Oh, everyone always thinks my life is so fabulous and easy. And I'm like, no idea how hard it is on a daily. It looks amazing on the outside, but when you're running businesses on the back end, it's a lot more work and a lot more stress and so many obstacles that you have no idea will face you every day. Yeah. And it's the love for what you're doing that's going to get you through it. So just be ready. I love that you love what you're doing. And I love that you inspire everyone around you daily. Eva, can you tell all the listeners where they can find Maud on social media and on your website? Yeah, so it's getmod.com, G-E-T-M-A-U-D-E.com, and it's getmod on social. And that's because we couldn't just get mod. So the name is mod. It's not getmod. Mod. <laughs> yeah, right. It's getmod. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything. Thanks for listening to Beauty is Your Business. Again, I'm David Prada. Please check me out on social media at Materiae. M-A-T-E-R-I-A-E, or at David Parada, D-A-V-I-D-P-I-R-R-O-T-T-A. Thanks so much. This has been Beauty Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network, and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>